0: So we're in a series right now called Faith Walk and we're looking at the life of Abraham and we're seeing what does faith look like and how does it transfer into our lives today from his life. So when we started the series two weeks ago, um, our first message was just called Step Out and it was all about this idea um, that if you're going to follow God, it's it's just going to take faith. Um, And when God made this call into Abraham's life that that we're going to do something great in you, You're gonna, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to this world. There was a stipulation. And that step, stipulation was is that he had to go. If you look at Genesis chapter 12, it was really clear. He had to leave his family. He had to go out on the journey. He had to travel. He had to, to follow God. And God didn't give him a roadmap on how to get there. He just basically said, Abraham, it's time for you to go. And when you get there, I'll tell you to stop. And uh, so... So really, if you really want to follow God in faith, there's this element of, of 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 stepping out into the unknown and starting this journey wherever God leads you. Last week we went on in Genesis chapter 12, and we realized that this journey of faith it doesn't always go the way we have planned. Abraham gets to his quote unquote or Abram gets to his promised land, and when he gets there, a famine hits, and it's like. I mean this is where god was leading him to go and he he faces difficult things and in our journey we all are going to face very hard and trying moments that can elicit a sense of fear in us and it's what we do with that fear that makes all the difference in the world abram he didn't start out so strong He hit this famine and, 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 and he went and he just said, yeah, I don't know what else to do except for go to Egypt because I know they have plenty. And if I go to Egypt, they're surely going to be able to take care of us. But I have a problem. My problem is, is my wife is so beautiful that when, when Pharaoh sees her and when his officials see her, they're going to kill me and take her to, to be his wife. And so, babe, here's an idea. When we get there, you'll just say that you're my sister. How's that going to work out? Right, guys? I mean, ladies, you might just be ending your husband's life right then and there and say, well, we don't have to worry about Pharaoh because you're going down if this is your plan for us. And so this fear that he had drove him to make choices that compromised who God was calling him to be. How was God going to bless him and make his name great and have all these descendants, you know, that are going to take over this land? if he doesn't even have a wife anymore because she's married to another man. And that's what happens. Pharaoh takes her into his home, and, and, and God brings, brings um, disease into Pharaoh's, into Pharaoh's home because obviously this wasn't God's plan. And, uh, and, and Pharaoh kicks her out, addresses Abram, says, you know, what are you, why are you lying? I mean, it was just one disaster after another. Fear leads us to compromise. Leads us to compromise who we are. Fear—it's—it's it's really contagious. I mean, if you've ever been afraid or something serious going on in your world, and you tell somebody else, usually that—that that fear can 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 spread into other people in our lives. Fear. Here's a beautiful thing about fear. Even—even even when you are afraid and you feel like you can't see God, what we learn in the story is that God can always see you. And in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this fear, in the midst of being in a place he never should be, and and leaving his wife, I mean, to to Pharaoh, to another man, God delivers him. God brings a disease and turns Pharaoh's heart and and, and actually sets them free with more than what they began. And so fear, it can can have huge effect in our lives. Fear, it's the enemy of faith. If we're going to go on this walk, then we have to deal with our fear in a healthy way. Today, we're moving on to Genesis chapter 13. you give me the Bible right there. Um, the, the chapter 13 was just too much. You had too much in your notes to be able to, to put it all in there. So we're going to read it from the Bible, actually, instead of the notes. And uh, yeah, what? Bibles? Yeah, we do that every once in a while. So Genesis chapter 13, this is what goes on in Abram's life after he leaves Egypt. So Abram left Egypt and traveled north into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all they owned. Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. From the Negev, they continued traveling by stages toward Bethel, and they pitched their their tents between, that's a tricky one, between Bethel and Ai, where they had camped before. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar. Notice this. Maybe if you have your Bible, if you have a place to outline it on your phone, notice this sentence. This was the same place where Abram had built the altar And there he worshiped the Lord again. That is very significant. We're going to come right back to it. Verse 5, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle and many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks, herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At the time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Verse 8, finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we are close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll go to the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Verse 14. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord what can we learn from this in Genesis chapter 13 it's all about taking the high road taking the high road I love this and you read the story Abram Abram's back you know but, but, but now that he's back there's a completely new problem that he has to deal with there's just too many people in this land. You know, there's only so much land for the cattle to be and the herdsmen to be. And so he's right stuck in the middle of the thing. And he and Lot and all their servants are fighting and bickering about who's going to do what, who's going to be where. You know, they're clashing together. And so he says, what are we going to do? And what I love about Abram is that Abram takes the high road. And he looks at Lot and he says, okay, Lot, I'm going to let you choose. You get first choice. You get first dibs. Wherever you go, I'll go to another place. The high road. The high road is doing the right thing even when it's not popular or easy. It's doing the good thing even when someone else is doing a bad thing to you. It's taking the high road. How do you do in your life with taking the high road? I put a little survey in your notes. We'll just take it real quickly and, and you can just circle and see how are you when taking the high road. When taking the high road survey, it says, I'm completely honest, even when doing so costs me financially, vocationally, or relationally. Is that never? Is that seldom? Is that frequently? Or is that always? Taking the high road. Taking the high road, I I tend to exaggerate my experiences, relationships, or accomplishments for better opportunities or greater acceptance. You know, you you, you just kind of exaggerate just a tad bit so that other people will think more highly of you. Is that never, seldom, frequently, or always? I struggle when someone gets chosen over me when I think I'm more deserving. Is that never, seldom, frequently, or always? I have a hard time not getting even or not being bitter when someone has wronged me. Is that never, seldom, frequently, or always? I quickly and voluntarily admit my fault when I've done wrong. Never, seldom, frequently, or always. When I took this test, a few of them were even hard for me. I said, you know, I'm not always best at taking the high road. It's, it's hard. That's why it's called the high road. It's not always easy. But what can we learn from Abram in this journey on taking the high road? Here's just a few things for your notes that you can fill in. The first thing is this. Lessons about walking the high road is that first we need to recalibrate your compass to the heart of God. Recalibrate your compass to the heart of God. What I love about this is is this this story is that Abram, I mean, he hit the famine. And through the famine, he had fear, and that fear drove him to Egypt, and the Egypt drove him to lying, and lying drove him to losing his wife for a time, a season. And it caused trouble and disease, and people lost their lives, all because of this one choice with Abram. But what I love about this passage, when you look at Genesis 13, is that what does Abram do? What does he do? Where does he go? He goes back. He goes back to the land that God led him to and he worshiped the Lord. He said, this is where I know God is. Look, I made a mistake. I went a place I should, I didn't even talk to God about this decision, and it caused pain in my life. But you know what I can do now is I can go back to that place where I know God is. I'm sure every single one of us has a season or a place in life where we can say, you know what, when I was there and I knew God and I felt God and I experienced God, I want to be there. Sometimes going back is the best way to move forward in our relationship with God. Sometimes going back and recalibrating our heart to God and where He is and where He was in our life is the best way to move forward in our faith. About seven years ago, my dad and I were driving through Albuquerque. And it was one of our first times going on a road trip together through Albuquerque. And we planned on, it's a halfway point between Phoenix and and Oklahoma City. And uh, so we decided that was gonna be the place where we stopped. We got a late start from Oklahoma City. And so we were, so my dad called ahead and got us a hotel room. and, And he had one of those, it was before we were rocking iPhones, you know, that, could take us every single turn. And so he had one of those built-in um, GPSs into his car. So he had a, a Cadillac 300 that had like a built-in screen with a GPS. How, the only problem, though, with his old GPS built into his car is that occasionally you have to update it yourself or it, it has old directions. And so we put in this address to this hotel in Albuquerque and we start driving to it. And, and it says, you know, turn left here. And so we turned left and turn right off this highway and we turned right. Turn left down this street. Your destination is on your right. Now, when we turned left to go down the street because the destination was on our right, we were going down a neighborhood street with just houses. And I said, Dad, I am fairly certain Best Western is not on this street. <laughs> And he looked at me, and he said, son, my GPS says it is, so we're going to go. So we turn down the street, and we start driving, and we go past, and it says, our car says this, recalibrating, right? Because it says we made a mistake, so recalibrating. And so we, so it said recalibrating, turn right. And so we turned right, and then it said recalibrating, turn right again. And we turned right again, and then it said turn right a third time. How do you... If you make three right turns in a row, where is that going to take you? To the exact same spot. And so we start going down the same street again. I said, Dad, we were just here. And he says, I'm telling you, this is what our, the, the, the GPS is telling us to do. And so we go down that street a second time. And we go past the spot. And the thing says recalibrating. And at this point, I know my dad's just messing with me. Because he did, begins to do the three turns right. Once again, I said, Dad, I know, he's got a a smile on his face. I said, Dad, I know Best Western's not on this street. We've done it three times. He says, the GPS tells us to recalibrate. We're going down it. And I just looked up in the air and I said, Dad, I'm fairly certain that that 10-story building two streets across is probably the hotel. Do you think we might be able to go there? And eventually he said, fine. And so we drove there and guess what we found? The Best Western. Recalibrating. 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 What I can tell you is even though a GPS may give you the wrong recalibration from time to time, that if you recalibrate your heart to God, it will never steer you wrong. It will never steer you wrong. See, this world is constantly bombarding you with mixed messages. Well, actually, it's not mixed messages, it's just bad messages telling you what to pursue, and what to dream after, and what to achieve, and and what to focus your life on. And it tells you things like, think about you first. It tells you things like, get all the stuff you can, collect all that you can, because that's what really matters in this world. It's all about being rich, and being famous, and being dot, dot, dot. I mean, you guys know these messages I'm talking about, right? And it's constantly bombarding us over, and over, and over again. And at some point, We have to drown out those messages and begin to listen to the voice of the Father. We do that by recalibrating our heart to the heart of God. Psalms 119, 10, and 11 says this, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Read this last part with me. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David's writing and he says, man, God, I want to seek you and I want to go after you. Don't let me stray from pursuing you. I, want, I need to hide your word here because when it's here, man, that's when I don't sin against you, Father. See, there's some things that we know to do that helps us lock into the heart of God. I can promise you that digging into his word reading his Bible from time to time, his love letter to you, that's a great way to recalibrate your heart to him. Spending a little bit alone time meditating on his love for you is a wonderful way to recalibrate. Worshiping him, just you and you alone, telling God how beautiful he is and how wonderful he is and how grateful you are, that's a beautiful way to recalibrate finding accountability and 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 other followers of jesus speaking truth and life and hope into your world is a wonderful way to recalibrate your heart to god's heart here's a second thought lesson about walking the high road is make your personal philosophy i am third the book i am third by Gail sayers anybody read it here i've I've peeked through it, but I know the story more than anything. They wrote a movie called Brian's Song. Anybody seen that movie? About the book that, that, that Gail Sayers wrote about his life. And, and it's an amazing story. It's an amazing movie about the life of Gail Sayers, Sayers and, and the terrible injury that he faced while being an NFL running back and how it almost ended his career and this amazing relationship that he had with Brian Piccolo, who was a teammate of his, Gail Sayers was an African-American running back, and and Brian Piccolo was a white guy. And they were best friends in the late 60s and early 70s, right in the midst of all this racial tension and and just stuff happening in our country. And this story in this book is about this love that these two guys had for each other, this camaraderie, this this support that they had for one another when Brian Piccolo came down with cancer. And Gail Sayers was there to support him care for him and love him during this this time of of hurt and pain and and problems in his life and in the book gil sarah says this he says in the book he says one thing that i've learned in life is that my life works best when i put god first when i put my friends second and i am third that my life works best when god is first friends are second and i am which is completely against what the world tells you to do. The world tells you to say, put me first and then put me second (laughs) and then put me third. And if there's any other room in your life or anything else, then you can start putting other people there. Abram, he got it right. Abram got to this place and a fight broke out. And he looked at Lot and he said, hey, Lot, look, man, wherever you want to go, it's yours. I'll let you choose first. I'm going to put you first. And whatever you choose, we'll go the opposite direction. You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. You go north, I'll go south. We'll just, I'll let you choose. And God blessed him because of it. Paul writes this in Philippians 2, 3, and 5. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This is a good part. Listen, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I mean, here's the beautiful thing. If if we're in relationship together, right, and I'm looking out to put you first, and you're looking out to put me first, guess who gets to go first? Both of us do. If I'm looking for ways to serve you and you're looking for ways to serve me, if I'm looking for ways to honor you and you're looking for ways to honor me, who gets honored? We all do. We all get honored. We all get served. We all get blessed when we take the same attitude that Christ Jesus had in life. Can I tell you that my life and my stress level goes way down when I put other people first? It's exhausting always trying to be first. And if you ever want to figure that out, drive down Hunt Highway in front of Walmart and just experience that during rush hour. And you'll see how exhausting it is trying to be first. Look, there are some days when I don't serve people very well on Hunt Highway in front of Walmart. And I'm frustrated and I'm tired and I'm like, look, you're not getting in front of me. I don't care. I waited in line. And it makes me mad when people zoom down the left and try to squeeze their way in. I just I just kind of sometimes I just want to go boo, you know, and just pop them out of the way. Now, I've never done that. I'm just confessing to you the sinful nature of your pastor from time to time. That's what I feel. And the stress level, if you've ever, I know you've all been there. If you drive, you've been there. What happens to you when you're in that place and you're doing that? And your hands just start gripping us, and they turn white at the knuckles, and your heart rate goes up, and you just start thinking naughty thoughts and nasty things about the person next to you. And what, how, ooh. But then there's something different that happens in me. When I relax, when I say, you know what? It doesn't matter if this person gets in front of me. Because wherever we're going, I can promise you, we're going to get there only two seconds apart. So why fight? Why have to be first? There's something that happens to me, right, babe? I'm more pleasant whenever I just relax and just say, it doesn't really matter. We're just going with the flow. I can put you first. Here's just a little thought for you. Do you trust God enough to not push yourself to the front? Do you trust God enough to not push yourself to the front at work or with family? Do you say, God, I trust your blessing. I don't have to be first. It's okay. Because I know you, you got plenty good for me in my life. Man, getting in that rat race and having to be first all the time It'll cause you to have a heart attack. So just relax. Take the, the idea like Gel Sayers. Not even like Gel Sayers, like Jesus. <laughs> Forget Gel Like Jesus. Not, I'm third. That's, that was Jesus' nature. Constantly put other people first. All the way to the point of dying on a cross for me and you. Here's the third thought. Beware the blinding effects of desire. If you want to take the high road, then beware the blinding effects of desire. When you really want something, we have a tendency to forget about everything else until we get it. You see, when you read this story, in Genesis chapter 13, what was the problem? Well, you're going to find out in chapter 13 and also in chapter 18, that the real problem in chapter 14, that the real problem was Sodom and Gomorrah. That was the real problem. The problem is with Sodom and Gomorrah and and, and the fact that, man, where they lived was lush and it was beautiful and it was wealthy and it was comfortable. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that, that that place looked an awful lot alike the Garden of Eden. I mean, it was that fertile of a land, but their hearts... And who they are were as people and the way they treated each other were terrible. And what you find out in Genesis chapter 14 is that Lot going into this place, because that's what his heart desired, actually put himself in the middle of a war between five or, I think, like seven different kings. And he ends up getting taken captive because he found himself right in the middle of all this mess. He eventually loses everything in chapter 18 thing is is that we kind of need to not be too hard on lot <laughs> because we do the same thing we see money and we compromise who we are to get it we see that car and we go and go into massive debt to own it we see where they see that that beautiful woman who isn't their wife and they cheat so they can possess her knowing full well that all of their choices come with a price It comes with pain It comes with compromised integrity and damaged financial future and broken relationships and losses of children and a loss of your spouse all because of the blinding effects of desire James 1, 14 and 15 he says this this is James the brother of Jesus he says temptation comes from our own desires it, it frustrates me when, say, God, when people say God is tempting me I don't think God tempts us by the way James says this temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Wow, it's a scary verse temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I put this in your notes. If you look at anything long enough, you'll find a reason to do, to do what you want to do rather than what you ought to do. How many of you have been there before? You looked at it long enough and at the end you said, you know what, I'm just going to do what I want to do instead of so what I ought to do because we keep staring at it. Desire, it's how we end up with trucks or cars or homes we can't afford and loved ones pushed away. It's the blinding effects of desire. Give you, let me give you one last thought. It says, Trust in the rewards. Trust that the rewards of the high road are always worth more than its costs. Trust that the rewards of the high road are always worth more than its cost. You go back and look at the text in Genesis chapter 13 at the end. Listen to what God tells Abram. He says, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and to the west, all the land that you see, I will give to your offspring forever. He says, that place that Lot just took, because you took the high road, one day it's going to be yours. And not only is that going to be yours, but everything else you see from the north, south, east, and west, it is all going to be yours. And the question I have is, do you trust God enough that though it may cost some now, that God will reward you in the right time? Do you trust Him enough that even though it could be hard and the cost could be a a little high now, do you trust the reward at the end? One of the little truths that I've learned in life is that shortcuts, they often cost you. When you take the shortcut to what you desire, That often costs you in the end. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and what will happen. He will make your path straight. He will make your path straight. You say, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I feel like this is where you're leading and I'm going to follow you regardless. And I'm going to trust you, you're going to make my path right. I found a cool story a few years ago. I'm not sure if I shared this with you two before. And if I have, you're just going to have to see it again. (laughs) About this guy named Billy Ray Harris. He's a homeless man in Kansas City. And um, he's out panhandling on a street. And he finds a diamond ring in his cup. And he's got a decision to make. What do I do with this ring? I'm homeless. It's real, platinum. Diamonds, and I'm homeless, can make a big difference in my life. Let's see what he does. Watch this video together. Ray Harris's life is now on the
1: upswing. Ever since Sarah Darling accidentally dropped her engagement ring in his change cup nearly two months ago, I didn't really look. I was walking by, and I just kind of went like that. After discovering the ring, Billy Ray took it to a local jeweler. I had a fit when a guy told me. <laughs> It was really worth some money. Worth enough that he was ready to give me four grand right there on the spot. Though he admits he considered taking the money, he held on to the ring, waiting for Sarah to return. And a couple of days later, she did. It was such a feeling of loss when it was gone. and So I'm just so eternally grateful for you. So grateful that Sarah and her husband Bill set up a fund for Billy Ray as his story made national headlines. Put a valuable ring. Her engagement ring. Homeless Missouri man. immediately returned the ring. The money poured in, with over 8,000 people donating more than $183,000 so far. I think it's amazing. I appreciate it. i like to thank all the people that have supported me. But the best gift of all? Reuniting with his family after 16 years. I got on the computer one morning, and I knew it was my brother as soon as I seen the picture, Billy's youngest sister, Robin, lived nearly 500 miles away in Texas, but eventually tracked him down.
0: We cried on the phone and stuff and was talking about how happy we was that we
1: found each other because he said he was worried about me too. He had been gone so long. Now Billy is in touch with his family almost daily and can't wait to see them again. We're actually thinking about having a family reunion. I can't wait. I got happy feet. And we're happy to be joined this morning by Sarah Darling, her husband, Bill Krejci, and Billy Ray Harris. Nice to see all of you in the studio this morning. This has really become uh, such a story across the country. And you two, Bill and Billy Ray, have really developed quite a friendship out of this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Um, yeah. Uh, we've been to hockey games. Uh, we've... We're going through some movies, but we missed out on the movies. But we've been doing a lot of just hanging out and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, yeah, including last night,
1: including last night. What's happened like for you, just to see how this has developed like
0: that? Uh, it's been really cool. So when I first met him, the first time we even we even chatted uh, was when we actually went to go get the ring, and I kind of knew immediately that he's just somebody who kind of worked on the same wavelength as me and. Yeah, I was just looking forward to. I was like, man, I'll be able to go chat with them every once in a while. Now, you know, we know each other's names and yeah. All that. You're yeah. definitely
1: connected for a long time at this point. And this fund that you set up, we actually just checked it before we before we just came to the segment. We're now almost at one hundred and eighty-four thousand dollars. People are still giving. Probably not what you imagined in terms of a number. No, I mean, we set it up because a lot of people who had been touched by the story had expressed interest in helping Billy Ray, and. We set the goal for $1,000. I was hoping to achieve maybe 4000 because that's what he was offered on the spot for the ring, and we had no idea, yeah. no idea. And I know that's obviously a nice a nice byproduct of all of this, Billy Ray, but, but the biggest thing for you, obviously, your family. You just saw your sister Robin there. Yeah. If they're watching this morning, anything you'd like to say to them? Well, I'd just like to say hello, sis, uh, the rest of my family. Uh, they can all see that I'm fine now, so mm-hmm. I'm glad that we've all got in touch with each other. Billy Ray Harris's life is now on the upswing ever since Sarah Darling accidentally dropped her engagement
0: I actually turned that off, I'm sorry. A good name is more more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Which road will you take? I can promise you that this week, you'll have plenty of opportunities. It's just the world we live in, right? If it's bumping into people at work or at school, or if it's just an opportunity that hits in front of your face, business—I mean, you're going to have an opportunity relationally with people you care about to either take the high road or the low road. It's just life. Which one are you going to take? We're going to close in prayer this morning. Have Sarah come up and lead us. And as we do that, just want to remind you that if you want to take communion together, there's some time in the there's a elements in the back. Um, And if you have prayer and you would like to pray with me, you can do that over by the sound booth. Or maybe you just need to sit quietly in your own space and just listen to the words that are sung. But when you look at this story and you read Genesis chapter 13, it's just really clear that Abram did the right thing. And because he did the right thing and took the high road, God blessed him in his life. So maybe this week, maybe this last week, you haven't been doing too great with taking the high road. And you kind of found yourself off compass and off off path a little bit. Maybe this morning is a chance for you to just recalibrate your heart to the heart of God and just say, God, I, I know I've turned, I've turned this way. I, I know it's wrong. And God, I'm just, I'm just asking for your grace and mercy, your forgiveness as I, as I reconnect with you. Or maybe this morning you just need to have a little heart check time. You say, you know what? I've been putting myself first way too often in life. Maybe it's time to just like Jesus to say, you know what? I, I'm going to be third. I'm going to start putting my family first, God first, my family and friends second, and the world second, and then me third in life. Or maybe you just need to trust. Say, God, I I keep trying to achieve these things because I don't trust. I'm not sure if I trust your timing, and I'm not sure if I trust your blessing. Maybe this morning is that opportunity for you to just say, God, I trust you completely. Father, what a privilege it is for us to be here together, to worship you, to honor you, to hear from you. And Lord, I just pray that as we listen, as we worship, as we try to connect with you, Father, that you would just help us to turn our hearts back towards you. God, this life is bumpy and it's difficult and it's rocky from time to time. And Lord, we can get so skewed, just so turned around, taking the low road over and over and over again. But what the scripture reminds us in the life of Abram reminds us is that when we take the high road, man, that's when you can do your best work and blessing in our life. And so Father, this morning, we want to hear from you. Open our eyes to see. Open our hearts and our mind to, to be able to, to move and to receive from you and to and just move towards you, God. We love you. We're so grateful. Speak to us, God as we worship you. In your name we pray, in the name of Jesus.